Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, we're here for the second of three shows that you recorded while in Germany. That's right. Well, this is the show was, that we did in Germany, but actually in Switzerland. Okay. Yeah. So we ended up moving around a fair bit. And, well, we, we, we ended up with an event in Zurich, which turns out is where Laurent Bonyan lives. So, so much the easier. How cool is that? Yeah, it was really good. Well, anyway, we have a little better know framework before we get rolling. So this is a good one. Roll the music. All right, dude, what do you got? This is unbelievable. I just stumbled across this on GitHub. Hmm. On uh, It's a system design primer, but it's essentially an entire systems class on one page. What? It's amazing. It's got flashcards. It's got diagrams. There's all sorts of resources that you can use to learn all about servers and load balancers and APIs wow. and caches and databases and HTTP and DNS and DHCP and just everything about large-scale systems in one giant resource. That's nice. Flashcards for studying, uh, design decks and exercise decks. Just unbelievable. So much stuff here. That's really cool. Yeah. So if you've, you know, if you've got a few years to kill and, you know, you want to just refresh or, or learn all you can as fast as possible, this seems like a pretty good resource. That's awesome, dude. I love it. Really cool. There's even uh, prepping for coding interviews. Like, there's so really? much thought that went into this resource. It it's just boggles my mind. So just actually how to do, now that you've got the design, how do you do the review? Yeah. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, I could sit here and talk about this all day because there's so much good stuff, but just go check it out. You need to check it out. Pour yourself a cup of coffee. Yeah. The link is in the show notes. Yeah. Great find, dude. Thanks. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grab a comment off a of show 1057, which we did with Laurent back in November of 2014. Mm -hmm. So a little on the old school side, but uh, definitely, uh, you know, still Laurent. He was talking about Xamarin Forms in those early days of Xamarin Forms. And this comment comes from Alex Castles, who said, and this is admittedly four years ago, in this podcast, you mentioned people moving from Xamarin C Sharp from Android and Java. As someone who did this, the story of why was mainly due to tooling support. I compared Eclipse and Android Studio, which was in very early release at the time, versus Xamarin Studio, and Xamarin was the stronger IDE. Eclipse and Android Studio were just awful, although I do think that Android Studio is better now. Yeah. And of course, this is four years ago, so everybody's progressed. The ability to do cross-platform was a bonus. I was just really interested in getting a complex Android app integrating with a lot of platform-specific APIs developed efficiently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember this conversation in those early days where, remember how fragmented the Android market was? And so yeah. one of the advantages of the hybrid development approaches was that it absorbed those variations in Android. Hmm. Just made your life a little easier all around. Yeah. Uh, so, Alex, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. And also follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. 
We learned how to read them on a GitHub-based system design primer. <laughs> With circles and arrows. That's right. <laughs> I learned what an API is. It's pretty awesome. I don't think that's true. I'm pretty sure you had an idea what an API was before that. Ah, uh, no. I had a cursory knowledge, but until I did the deep dive, I didn't truly know. There you go. Thought about it differently. <laughs> I love it. Well, anyway, uh, let's roll your interview with Laurent from Zurich. Hey, Zurich, it's .NET Rocks. <laughs> and I'm, this is Richard Campbell doing one of these special interviews, traveling with uh, the Telerik uh, Modern Web Tour. And we're towards the end of our day, get a chance to talk to my friend, Laurent Bonian. Hello, Laurent. Hello, Richard. What's up? Uh, you know, no rest for the wicked, my friend. We've yeah. had a busy day today. I'm looking at your big bio, and it's too much work, man. You're <laughs> okay. So these days, you're a senior cloud developer advocate for Microsoft. That's correct. So you crossed over. Yeah, pretty much a year ago. I'm mm. going to celebrate my anniversary on campus uh, next week. Nice. Yep. But if we do the Wayback Machine, it's certainly something I like I talked about today. Mm. It is things like uh, MVVM Lite. Yeah, that's... Uh, I don't think we've ever done a show on that. For all the things we've talked about over the years, and it's been a lot of shows, we yeah. don't think we've ever really talked about MVVM. Yeah, we might have talked a little bit about that on the tablet show. I'm, I was trying to remember. Oh, I yeah. We might I should have look it up. done one of those. But anyway, on, uh, on Dot Networks, never. No, and it's about uh, nine years in the making now. So, yeah, it's been a while. It's mature. Yeah. No. Did you know your way around MVVM before Silverlight came along? Is it, I felt like um, Silverlight taught us about model view view model. Yeah, WPF really. Um, mostly what happened is that uh, I, I was working for Siemens at the time. And when WPF came out in 2006, uh, there was a first mix conference. And right. Siemens sent me there, uh, which was really fun for me because I, I was doing some web development before right and i was a little bit tired of that and so i was kind of looking for a new job and uh, apparently my boss heard that i was interviewing uh oh and they want to upset him well no no not really but they wanted to keep me on and so as an incentive they sent me to vegas which <laughs> was not bad right <laughs> and so i flew there and um I I was lucky enough to uh, to see the first mix and uh, and then later I went back so I I did actually all the mix conferences and I spoke at three of them right but that changed my life literally and uh, in 2006 uh, Microsoft showed XAML and Blend and you know WPF to the World Windows Presentation Foundation mm -hmm. and I was floored I was so happy to see that that when I came back home I started blogging um, so I, my blog started. Um, I think probably three weeks after mix after I came back from from Vegas. Wow! And uh, because I was just pumped by the energy that there was in that in that room at the time. That sort of level of inspiration. Yeah. That first mix was it was electric. It was fantastic. Uh, it was so it, different than any other Microsoft show I've been to. It was. Yeah. It was a lot more on UX uh, mm -hmm. user user experience. It was uh, called uh, the uh, what was it called the web uh, something the modern web the, yeah, the modern web I think yeah you're exactly I think right. so yeah something like that you and know, so I've they showed I've collected up a lot of the graphics and things from those early shows yeah. and they're so low resolution because of the resolution <laughs> of screens I've actually had to give them to graphic artists and have them remake them in oh, higher right. resolution versions so yeah. I have a high resolution version of the Mix 06 yeah. graphics 
graphic, it's just fake. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and and they had really a, a whole imagery and a whole. Uh, I mean, everything was pretty it much had different. Such a design right? aesthetic to it. Totally, totally. And uh, and the people who organized that were also um, not the not the usual people, basically. Mm-hmm. And what I love that mix is that it was really a smaller conference than PDC or something, right? I think the first one was probably 1,500 people only. Yeah. Um, small for a Microsoft conference. Small for Microsoft conference, but still, I mean, uh, the cool thing is that really they had this concept of launch, which we now with my team implemented at Build and basically it's a place where you can meet the speakers where you can you know have a whole lot of whiteboard discussions with the people and that was new at the time really and so it was extremely electric and my life changed that day I can say because I came back I started blogging um, you know about six seven eight months later i got the mvp because of the blog right uh, my first mvp in 2007 and then basically that's where my career i could say kind of took a turn right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then i came back to siemens and i told them yeah this wpf thing is really serious we need to look into it and, uh, and these were early days for wpf oh, yeah it was uh basically wpf had been shown to the public at pdc in 2005 yep and it had been um, released at Mix in 2006, so right. in April, I think March, April, like that. And so and that was um, .NET three. Uh, it was .NET three, yeah, yeah. Z- three zero, I think, or three five. Three five, three five would be 2008. Yeah, yeah. So and that I, was because uh, I'm working on that bloody book that I have yeah. all these numbers <laughs> in my head now. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> So, so that was uh, cool. And so I told uh, my, my division of Siemens that, yes, we should definitely look into that. Mm-hmm. And um, then they were very generous to give me about a year to do some prototyping work, basically. Wow. So you... And research. Because there was not a lot of guidance nope. in those early days. I mean, there was none. Yeah. And um, our guidance was pretty much reading the blogs of the uh, WPF team. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had the WPF team on one hand, and then we had a, a bunch of really clever guys working for a small firm called Identity Mine. Little. Little firm. Yeah. And uh, most of them had actually come from the Avalon team, so from the WPF team, right? Right. Um, so people like uh, Nathan Dunlap, who was a designer, and um, you know uh, Jonathan Russ, who was a developer on the WPF team, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of other people. And... We contacted Microsoft, Siemens contacted Microsoft and said, hey, we look to look more into that WPF thing. Can you recommend us a firm? And they recommended us Identity Mine. Okay. And so I went um, to Seattle to talk to them. Uh, We sent a bunch of people to educate themselves on WPF. And we started basically a collaboration. And since back then, nobody was really doing... Um, you know, we, we didn't have guidance or anything on WPF. So, um, we were all reading each other's blogs, basically. And since right. my blog was on this kind of thing, they started noticing, oh, there is somebody who's not Microsoft who's actually doing this He's kind of thing. talking about it. Interesting, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I started going to Redmond, being invited there and, uh, talking to people like Scott Goo, who was leading that at yep. the time, right? And, uh, Ian Ellison Taylor and, uh, Brad Abrams, of course, mm-hmm. and all those people about, hey, look, we are looking at this model and the models that was interesting for me was I want to have my designers in Princeton. They were in Princeton at the time. I right. want to have developers in, uh, we had them in Chicago, uh, in uh, Princeton, in Zurich, in uh, Milano, and in Pune, in India. And I, was, I want everybody to be able to work independently from each other. Right. So how can I do that? And Blend was playing a big role in that because the idea was that the designers would basically do 
the design of the application in Blend. And um, and again, Blend was brand new. And this, it was. This idea that you would have a separate set of designer skills from development skills and they would be it was integrated new. in some yeah. way. Yeah, it was totally new. And so we went ahead and with IdentityMind's help, we actually, um, you know, looked into Blend, what are they doing in Blend? Right. Because they were really rendering code. And so that was kind of new in Blend. They were really taking your code and, and, and running it, mm -hmm. right? And so you are able to basically run your code in a special mode that I call design mode right. and to create what I call design data. And, uh, and in order to do that, you had to architect your application in a way which was basically MVVM, but except I didn't know it was called that. Right. And um, so, so we did that. And then at Mix 07, uh, Microsoft called me and said, hey, we need to introduce you to someone. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's cool. And so we had lunch with uh, a very, very clever guy called John Gossman, yes. who was the architect of Blend and one of the major architects of, um, of uh, WPF. And that's when John told me, oh, by the way, what you're doing here, I call that model view view model. Right. And uh, that was basically his, uh, his invention, if you want. I, I know there is some discussions on who invented what, and uh, Bob Martin you know, mm -hmm. came with presentation model, and it's very similar. But basically, uh, John Gossman did MVV and he did it in a practical manner, in a production way for Blend. And so suddenly I was like, oh, now I get it. That's why it works, right? It's right. because you did that from the start. He, he had that architectural pattern in mind with yep. the implementation of WPF. So totally. We'd be able to separate those yeah. things. Okay. And so around the time, uh, we started communicating with a few people who were very active in the in the WPF world, like people like Josh, Josh Smith, for example, Carl Schifflet, uh, uh, Mark Smith, who is now a Microsoft employee through Xamarin, right? Mm -hmm. He's uh, the dean of the Xamarin University. And I, I don't want to offend anybody, but uh, basically a bunch of people, Marlon Gresh in Malta and, and, and really a lot of people there. And, um, and then we had a <laughs> private mailing list with Marlon founded at the time and called that the WPF Disciples. And so it was oh, like, nice. oh my God, you know, Avalon is our religion. And <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so that was really funny. And then we started talking a lot about architecture and how should we do things. And then somebody mentioned the idea of, um, hey, maybe we should try to do, because of the decoupling, we should try to do a mediator pattern. So basically mediator is like a, a it's like a pub sub you know, model where you say, okay, somebody subscribing to messages right. and somebody's publishing messages and in a, in a decoupled manner. And the, and the mediator basically makes sure right messages get the right place. Correct. Right. And uh, I thought that was really a good idea. And so I implemented a, a version of that that I called the Messenger. And that was pretty much the first component of MVVM Lite, of what became MVVM Lite. Okay. And, my idea and it's interesting that you didn't set out to make. No. Okay. No, totally. I mean, my, my idea at the time was that I was blogging a lot on those things and I wanted to have a set of components that I can explain once and then tell people, hey, uh, okay, so I'm going to show you an application of the Messenger that you can use to do this and that. And by the way, if you don't know the Messenger, go and check that article which is explaining to you what the messenger is right? right and so that was the idea at first and then <laughs> i went to seattle once and uh, josh smith uh, oh in between i had joined identity mine actually uh, in 2008 then they, they were based in seattle yeah but they extended me an offer in... i was living uh, in switzerland i was okay. their first european employee so I, I stayed there only european employee for about four years and um, and so we were communicating a lot. I was going to Seattle all the time. And at the time, we also happened to hire Josh Smith, uh, who was a very, very clever guy. And um, he was, <laughs> that's a funny anecdote, but uh, he was uh, living in the Harbor Steps in, in Seattle, nice building mm -hmm. with a pool. And so he told me, hey, let's go and take a swim. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so we went there and in the pool, I remember we talked about 
oh, so what do you want to do with these uh, things that you're developing? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want it to become this big thing. You know, I'm probably just going to publish it on CodePlex right. at the time, open source, and then kind of forget about it. And uh, yeah, it took a different turn because uh, when I published it, actually people started using it, which yeah. uh, I was not expecting. And um, and then I got I started getting really requests for oh how do you do that or what about how this? What yeah about this? I mean the best, you... the best the best of using it is then yeah. now they see what it's missing yeah exactly and so I started adding a few things and uh, but really the idea was to do I didn't want to do a framework that's why I call it a toolkit mm -hmm. um, in the sense that you can choose I mean you know you can choose the tool that you want but if you don't want to use everything I'm not prescribing any, right. anything. Uh, you can uh, replace components with your own or you can use something else or, or you can build on top of it. Basically, it's mm -hmm. up to you. Um, and um, yeah, and then after that, uh, I thought, oh, I need a logo. And I had a good friend who was a designer in Geneva and told me, oh, I can't actually code, but I want to contribute. You know, it's an open source project. I want to contribute. So sure. we did a logo for free, which I thought was really cool. And uh, that's how it took off, basically. And uh, when Silverlight came out... It, the key was the logo, then. The key was logo. I mean, <laughs> you know, you need to brand stuff if yeah, you want sure. stuff to be. It's for people to actually exactly, take the banner and run exactly. With it. So now the logo Laurent, thing. I, give me one moment there yeah. for this very important message. Save the date for .NET Conf 2018, September 12th through 14th. .NET Conf is a free three-day virtual developer event co-organized by the .NET community and Microsoft. Over the course of three days, you can enjoy a wide selection of live sessions that feature speakers from the community and .NET product teams. These are the experts in their field, and .NET Conf is a chance to learn, ask questions live, and get inspired for your next software project. You will learn to build for web, mobile, cloud, desktop, games, services, libraries, and more for a variety of platforms and devices, all with .NET. There are sessions for everyone, no matter if you are starting out or a seasoned engineer. Expect presentations on .NET Core and ASP.NET Core, C Sharp, F Sharp, Azure, Visual Studio, Xamarin, and much more. Head to www dotnetconf.net that's dotnetconf.net to learn more and tune in and we're back it's lauren bunyan here with me richard campbell we're in zurich on the modern web tour so are we yeah and talking a little history of mvvm light yep and i was teasing you about having a good logo but <laughs> but it, it does make a lot of sense that for people yeah. who get excited about something you've got to have a sort of message and did you have a vision at that point about what it would be or what it was really about uh it kind of started i guess when i noticed that people started using it right. I, I think it really started so so like i mentioned right i implemented it for wpf but when Silverlight came out and I noticed, okay, I can easily port it to Silverlight because since it was lightweight, porting it to another version of .NET, which Wasn't which was what Silverlight was, was not a big deal. I mean, is that 2009? Because it could have been the first. Yeah. The first version of Silverlight was just JavaScript anyway. Yeah, so Silverlight was 1 was just JavaScript. Yeah. So Silverlight 2 was really when it started. And um, so, I, so I did that really fast. I think Pretty much at Mix, I did that, in, in fact, the port. While you were there. Yeah, while I was there. <laughs> and because I got some, uh, since I was an MVP, I had some previews of Silverlight oh, okay. 2 already. So I was able to and do some And it was derived from WPF anyway. It was super easy to, to port, no problem yeah. at all. And then I started noticing that MVVM Lite was more than a design data framework type thing. But it was actually about cross-platform compatibility. Because since you can decouple, you could take... Um, your your WPF view and replace it with a Silverlight view. Like right. WPF was using Windows and Silverlight was using Pages, so the yep. navigation model was different. It didn't really matter because mm -hmm. as soon as you had your view model and everything in the view model, 
you know, bindings are easy to do, so you just redo your UI and then you're good to go, right? right. And this and, is, when you talk about MVCs and MVVMs, yep. it's about exactly that. Oh, you want to switch platforms? So you just worry about no the No problem at all. Don't yeah. worry about the rest. So making it compatible was really easy. And, um, and then later, even later, you know, Windows Phone came out, mm-hmm. and uh, and so Windows Phone was yet another platform. But again, porting it was super easy, basically, because as soon as it's .NET, as soon as what I do is reflection, there is a bit of reflection going on, but some lightweight reflection. Um, it's not a problem, and so basically, it's easy to support pretty much everywhere. And the and the first, especially Phone Seven, it yeah. was like a lightweight version, a Silverlight. Kinda, yeah, 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 like a bastardized version of Silverlight. Yeah, it's and got the, the little things running. Yeah, the errors were cryptical because they were all uh, unmanaged errors and so you would get those not implemented errors yeah. no 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 even worse like the <laughs> error you know zero x blah 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 right nice. <laughs> and you don't know what it is and so that was fun and uh yeah no that was cool and then at the time also uh, sam's reached out to me to ask me if i wanted to write a civil like two book and i said yes and I, it was kind of a good decision but also a bad one because oh my god writing a yeah, book so it's you a know. lot of work <laughs> yeah it's a lot of yeah, work I'm, al- I'm already at the bloody book phase right yeah and i'm still nowhere yeah, the writing is kind of fun. After that, you have to edit the book, and that's yeah. what's not really fun. But anyway, it, uh, it became, I, I mean, I can say that really Silverlight um, took a big, you know, it, it was quite important for me. And, and that's also at the time huge. where I sat with, uh, with Scott Gersry in Zurich. In fact, I think the last time he was in Zurich what, uh, was in 2007 or eight, mm-hmm. maybe nine, I'm not sure. And anyway, um, and we sat down together and talked about that and, uh, and basically became, um, you know, uh, well acquainted, I would yes. say. And, uh, and knowing Scott Gustry at Microsoft is always helpful, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Wait, um, that was then that apparent at the time. I mean, today no, it's ridiculous. It was and apparent that he was very clever and, yeah. and that he would go places, but, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Really. But he's gone a long way. My yeah, goodness. yeah, he did, and uh, yeah. So, so basically, the the cross-platform story became super important to me. And uh, later, when Xamarin, uh, before the acquisition, so I'm talking before 2016, when Xamarin was still an independent firm, um, when Xamarin took off, and um, I think it was with Xamarin three at the time, and and started being really usable from a tooling standpoint, etc. Then it only made sense for me to actually port. MVVM Lite to that to as Xamarin. well. So when would that have been? Because 2014. Yeah. Okay. So because yeah. the first time we sort of saw uh, the an- the Android version was yeah. 2011. Yes. But it was pretty raw. It was raw, and I yeah. tried it out, and then I told my firm, I don't think we can use that yet. It's not um, ready. So I, I mean, we the guy was writing his own version of C Sharp and his mm. own version of the framework. Like yeah. They were taking the on tooling a was channel. especially rough. Yeah. The tooling was sure. really bad. It was unstable and horrible. And, and so I told them, I don't think we should do that. And I think I, think I did the port in 2013. And 2014, I remember that date because uh, Xamarin invited me to speak at Evolve, which was their big conference. That was their show. Yeah. Like know. their mix, right? Yeah. <laughs> It was. Yeah, and um, and so um, I, I did the port, and then I saw that really the, um, the, the download numbers were taking off like crazy, uh, mostly because uh, since it's about compatibility, a lot of people had, you know, Silverlight stuff at the time was still more or less around, and, uh, and WPF stuff, and then they were saying, oh, okay, I have a view model, I can actually take the view model, put it in Xamarin, and you know, and work with that in uh, in iOS and in Android. And Absolutely. that was kind of, and, and again, right, redo the view and now, you're done. And we are walking past the thing, which was mm-hmm. the sort of quote-unquote death of Silverlight. Yeah, 
But yeah. I, what did you see? I mean, now, I mean, admittedly, you're an employee now, but yeah. we're talking before you're oh, an employee. I, I talk very freely, freely yeah. of that time because uh, no, what I saw is that. Uh, this is Basically, TDC Bob Mulia, yeah, Bob Mulia made a comment about uh, shifting strategies, yeah. and the and the internet started getting crazy, mm -hmm. and it was a weekend. I remember that because basically the MVPs. I was a Civilite MVP at the time. There was a, actually a Civilite MVP group, sure. and I was one of the first. I think I was number three or four. He was um, oh, Justin Angel at the time. Do you remember Justin? Yeah, cool guy. But uh, man, he had the idea of doing a, a Civilite MVP group, so we did that, and it was really good because we were really close from the product group and we had uh, all the previews like super early previews and back then it was only maybe like 30 40 people sure. maximum and so they were iterating group. so fast they yeah really fast new new uh, bits every few weeks. all the time yeah, yeah. They, they were basically back then the innovation was in Civilite because since they were releasing a lot faster than .NET they were able to do new things uh, I think all the back time. on that time as this was an example for how Microsoft was going to work today yeah. Yeah, like totally. right now, when we think about how fast the studio team is pushing out versions, mm -hmm. how about quickly stuff is appearing in the cloud? Azure, yeah. that was what Silverlight was like. It in, was in 2010. It was a totally different way for them to work, and yeah. being um, being also uh, independent from Windows. That yes. was new, right? Uh, be, before the .NET, what was really slow in the .NET versions is that they had to release a new version of Windows, pretty much. Or, or in other words, they were releasing a new version of .NET when there was a new version of Windows. Right. And of course, that was slow and um, Silverlight was totally independent from that, so they could release whenever they wanted. Mm -hmm. and, and they that, did. And they did, yeah, and that was new. So so it was a good time, but uh, yeah, the, uh, the stra strategy shift happened on the weekend, and of course, nobody at Microsoft was working, and no. so we started reaching out. Uh, all the MVPs started reaching out to um, to our contact. I wrote to Scott Gustry a few times, and God knows that Scott is fast in answering email, but sure. you know, there was a lot going on, and uh, we didn't have answers, and so that was a little bit scary, and uh, I, I think we still suffer a little bit from that time in terms of uh, trust of the uh, developers in what we do, especially on the client. Um, I mean, the interesting thing is that Silverlight continued to be released yeah. in the, the following year. But it did, yeah. And there was even a, an event, like they did a developer event at the time where they released a new version of Silverlight and then they did, it was basically the predecessor of the Connect event that we right. have now. I think it was actually in New York, so it yep. was probably the first connect in even if quotes. it wasn't called that yeah. it was not called that i think it was called the civil light developer day or something like that hmm. it was a remote conference and basically the purpose of that conference was to say hey we are not abandoning civil light it's right. still there but basically the writing was on the wall and uh, people started you know flocking to alternative stuff like knockout was coming out around the time yep. and basically knockout uh, steve sanderson who is now doing blazer uh, very clever guy right mm -hmm. I, I think you talked to him on the show mm -hmm. um awesome guy and he saw what wpf and silverlight was doing with ba with binding and thought oh we should do the same in javascript just and straight so, up to the browser rather than having totally. to be in the plugin yeah and so he said okay let's do a binding basically what what knockout was he was a binding engine for html and then the javascript view model right, right? he was kind of the id and that was a pretty good idea and um, you know the angular team noticed it and mm -hmm basically did the same thing for Angular 1. Well, I always felt like Knockout was the first that, yeah. you know, Eisenberg with Durandal yeah. 
and uh, and eventually Aurelia. Yeah, well, and, I mean, Eisenberg, uh, of course, was very influential at the time because Rob Eisenberg developed back then Caliburn. And Caliburn, Caliburn was right? a major competitor of MVVM Lite, mm -hmm. but with a very different approach, much more prescriptive approach. And a lot of it was uh, done under the cover. Like, for example, if you had a view, you just had to name your view model with the same name, except view model suffixed. And then it would take it automatically and use it as data context automatically which I, I, I didn't like for me. I understood the idea and, sure. I, and, and Rob Eisenberg is a very, very clever guy. Very so definitely a lot of respect. But I, I saw that there are some developers who like that, but there are also other developers who like things expressed more, um, more um, clearly, right? right? Explicitly is what I was looking for. Well, and and it's, there's these two philosophies. Like yeah. you said it right off the bat, you intended it as a toolkit, use the parts yep. you want. Totally. You know, and sort of that open model where uh, Rob's approach was, hey, you're coming in here. I'm very opinionated about how this totally. is going to happen. You're all in with me or don't bother. Yeah. One or the other. And I think both methods work. Uh, totally. And uh, our experience was that uh, it was really a 50-50 split pretty much. Yes, so he had uh, about 50% of the devs and I have the other 50%. Right. And, uh, and then there was a, a few people using back then Prism. Of course, Prism is totally different now, so we can't even compare. Sure, yeah. But uh, Prism was kind of uh, composite framework at the time and what was the code name on that because i remember we did a show around oh, it. was that something like alexandria oh yeah that could that be. might have been it yeah I, I could probably go back and find the show but yeah yeah i you know we did one and you're right it hmm. and in some ways i i, I loathe in microsoft reuses names because they did completely <laughs> reboot yeah what became prism into this uh, to another thing entirely, totally. entirely it's still yeah. out there today yeah and, and now it's really good so yeah. now it's a it's a very good alternative back then it was just very heavy and i don't think a lot of people liked using it quote unquote enterprisey. Right? yeah it, it was <laughs> but I, I think at some point i noticed that uh, i had quote unquote arrived because i was on a call i happened to be on a call with identity mine with microsoft and right. they didn't know that i was on the call uh, we just had a bunch of people it was one of those you know like 20 people conference call right. or whatever and somebody from microsoft i don't remember who that was but mentioned oh yeah so prism we need to be careful because this is there is this thing called mvvm Lite, which is actually the main competitor of prism and i'm like Dude, I no, it's not. It's not. You know, it's really not. I mean, I'm, I'm talking totally different. <laughs> he didn't road. know you were on the call, and he didn't know I was on the call, and that's so I, I kind of laughed. I was on mute, so <laughs> and that's when I noticed that wow, that thing is actually taking off more than I thought. And of course, Microsoft knew about that sure. because they had NuGet, they had all the um, all the download uh, stats, right? And so they knew exactly where to look. So that was interesting, and uh, because of the lightness of it, also um, they used it for a lot of things. Like for example, when they um, the conversion to PCL was actually made to portable cost library was right. actually made by Microsoft by the PCL team because For they reached MVVM out. Lite. Yeah, they reached out to me and they said, "Hey, you have a real life project. Can we take it and put it on PCL? Because like this, we will see what works and what doesn't." You know? Yeah. yeah. And so I, I said, "Yes, please. <laughs> it's yeah, no, uh, free, free work." It's certainly know? a validation of the model. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now. Time to do another one of those crazy trips back to the studio for something? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's time to call an action of bad humor in the view model of this wonderful interview and trigger red warning labels all over the interface. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, very silly. I'm just trying to play along. It's actually yep. time to give away a free conference pass to Tech Bash, October 2 through 5, and up to four nights at the Kalahari Resort in Pocono Manor, Pennsylvania for this event. Compliments of Progress Telerik. To register, visit techbash.netrocks.com. But first, 
let me tell you about the most comprehensive developer toolkit for building modern apps on the market today, Telerik DevCraft. With more than 1,100 Telerik.net and Kendo UI JavaScript components and controls, you can easily build modern, high-performant web, mobile, and desktop apps, as well as chatbots. The tool set also includes reporting solutions, automated testing, and productivity tools, and comes with a range of support options. New this year is a free online training program for all license holders. With this, alongside thousands of demos with source code, comprehensive docs, and a full assortment of Visual Studio templates, you'll be up and running with Progress, Telerik, and Kendo UI tools in no time. Download a free 30-day trial today at Telerik.com download. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Jeff Tucker. Congratulations, Jeff. Yeah. Golf clap for you. Jeff just got a free conference pass to Tech Bash in October and up to four nights at the Kalahari Resort in Pocono Manor just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you want to be a member, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join up. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we're giving away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the fan club. But you have to sign up to win. And uh, Richard, I take it that you asked Laurent what he would do with his $5,000. Why, yes, I did. And so now it's up to me, Laurent, to ask you this question. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology, yes. what would you buy? I'm sure you know. Uh, you'd buy a drone because you still are missing your drone. <laughs> yes, I crashed Which, my drone. Was it was it a was it a Phantom? No, was it, it was a Mavic Pro. It was a Mavic Pro. And, yeah, and you hit a wire. <sighs> like if I'd asked you to hit the wire, you couldn't hit I, it. I couldn't have done it. Yeah, and, and I and I you had, were a long way away when you hit I, it. Too. I was in Austria and Tyrol, and I was flying to film a stupid waterfall. <laughs> it was really beautiful. It was just at the snow melt. And I was uh, I was going to Germany uh, with my bike, and I had my drone, and I saw the waterfall. I'm like, oh, I have to film that. Nice. And I go there, and there was a stupid transport cable you, with markings, but the markings were kind of you, you know, missed them below. And suddenly, I was looking at my at my screen, and I see the cable, and I see the thing stop hitting it, and started spiraling, and yeah. it fell down in the in the valley down there. Basically. So you can't couldn't get to it. I back then I couldn't because there was still a lot of snow there. Sure. Uh, it was about uh, probably about five six. 100 meters away oh, from man. me on the other side of the valley and uh, second of all uh, yeah I, I mean I didn't have time also and all that so I just left it there so if somebody goes to Tyrol and find a drone with my name on it <laughs> well you can have it uh, <laughs> I'm going to buy the next model oh, yeah, there's a model coming up <laughs> I think so I don't know they had an event planned and they delayed it but I'm waiting for that event yeah because if nothing else, the existing models will go down in price. But five grand exactly. is a lot to spend on a drone. I mean, you wouldn't be talking about a Mavic in that. Yeah, accessories. Range. No, I would still talk about the Mavic because yeah. what I love about the Mavic is the portability. Yeah. And so I was really literally able to take it with me all around the world. So I went to Iceland with it. I went to Philippines with it. Mm -hmm. uh, I went on boats in Philippines in, in lagoons and I made videos there. And uh, flying with it, like flying on a plane with it, is a pleasure because it's so small. It's smaller than, uh, than the DSLR you know camera rig yeah right. bag and so you can literally take it with you on uh you know on your belt it doesn't even count as a carry-on basically it's like uh 
you know, it's just on your belt sure. basically. So no, so I would probably buy that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know you have uh, you have a Spark. I have a Spark. Yeah, uh, there is birthday. also the Air. I I still like the the, the Mavic Pro in terms of uh, you know distance and and all that. So I think I will probably go with that. And the, whatever the new Pro is, whatever the you new go, Pro is. The commercial ones are bigger and more powerful. They just take up a lot of room. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, you have to carry them. They're also quite expensive. Like I mean, the Phantom would be okay, but the Phantom is just big to carry. Sure. So you need to buy. It's a couple of thousand dollars. But you're right. I mean, even though yeah. I think the Spark Basic is like five hundred dollars. Yeah, but by but the after time that you, you want to add batteries, yeah, you that, want the yeah. bigger controller and you with the longer range, yeah. and you want the batteries and the chargers and so yeah, forth. And, 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 and I also have a, I also have a dedicated screen for it, which is uh, seven eight hundred bucks like that. But it's brighter okay. and it's uh, meant for outdoors. Yeah, it's made by DJI you. also, so it's uh, it's also not you're not depending on your phone or whatever. You can just yeah. use that screen. So I would probably buy a bigger one, you know, etc. etc. So right. I think it adds on. But uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's cool. And uh, other than that, you know, we start uh, speaking at conferences a lot in my team, and we always love to invite people. So maybe I would use just a few hundred bucks to, you know, invite people to conferences or whatever. <laughs> that's that's always fun. That's like, always uh, a good way. Yeah, minorities and it's all an that. Interesting yeah. idea. Mm. Yeah, to put aside some money to bring in. You're seeing this more and more in conferences. With yeah, that. we do. Um, so so Microsoft, my team has budget for that. So mm -hmm. now what we do is that we tell people when we speak at conferences, we tell them, hey, look, we will pay for ourselves, but the money that you would invest in us, Microsoft is going to pay for my coming, like right. my, plan, my planes and my hotels and all that. But that money, I'd like you to use it to invite somebody who couldn't afford to come otherwise. So that's something we do. And now we start seeing other conferences like, uh, you know, we just heard from the, uh, the the Caribbean Developer Conference, for example, in Putacana. Mm -hmm. Great destination, but it's not about the destination. About It's about what they do. And they just told us that each, each speaker can invite 10 people of their choice. Nice. And, uh, you know, minorities... People, I, I want to try to reach out to local people who can necessarily afford a big conference, sure. like local developers, and tell them, hey, come, you know, on yeah, us, right? Be part of this. So, yeah, so I love these type of things. Yeah, it's really cool. No, you know, mm. we, we talk about diversity in the speaker cadre, in yeah. the group of speakers, but you really want diversity in the audience as well. As well, yeah, and we all know that we have a problem with that in yeah. our profession, right? Uh, so, we, yeah. We can do better. Yeah. I appreciate that. Hmm. I do, I, I'm, I'm amused because I know so much of this story, but I don't think we've ever really talked about on the show yeah. about this, this sort of progression of MVVM light mm -hmm. and the role that it played. Uh, and so we got to the point where you moved over to looking at how it worked with Xamarin. Well, what, yeah. why did, why did, was MVVM light important in the Xamarin story? So, uh, you know, I, I asked myself at first, does it even make sense? Because, mm -hmm. um, the thing is that the UI, the way that you do UI, and I'm not talking about Xamarin Forms here, where the Xamarin Forms team came a little bit later sure. and, and did their thing. Xamarin right? before Xamarin Forms. Yeah, Jason Smith and all that. And they did data binding and all that. But on, on iOS and Android, you don't even have a data binding engine. The way right. that they do UI is really native, iOS UI, native uh, Android UI. And this is an MVC approach, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I thought um, after a lot of uh, discussions and thoughts, and back then there was um, uh, another... Basically, a fork of MVVM Lite that somebody took and uh, made something called MVVM Cross. Okay. And MVVM Cross originally is a fork of MVVM Lite. Interesting. And I'm sure we've had them on the show, too. Uh, yeah, you probably did. Uh, it's, uh, it's a very well-known framework in the Xamarin space. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it is again a prescriptive framework, a little bit the equivalent of what Caliburn was for, right. you know, for example, for Stuart Windows. Stuart Lodge Xamarin. is the name I was. Yeah, Stuart for. Lodge was a, a guy that I talked to a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's less active now, but there are still a lot of people active in that uh, in that space. 
and um, and he created a data binding engine for um, for for that basically. Mm-hmm. And so basically, he was able to do some native iOS native Android UI, but data bind to a view model. And I, I really liked this model, but at the same time, when I looked at the binding engine, um, there were a few things that I didn't totally like you know, just like ways to do things or maybe style or whatever. And so I decided to write my own and I did. And then uh, from the moment where you have a data binding engine, then MVVM makes a lot of of sense. Um, And it also um, made a lot of sense in terms of uh, unit testing and, you know, cross-platform like you could... If you use MVVM in Xamarin Android and Xamarin iOS, you can share code with Windows, for example. And so immediately you have a lot more um, code that you can share. And so 50% maybe out of the box, you could go to 80%. And it's a lot, right? It's a a big difference. I always thought that the separation of the the MVVM model meant Mm -hmm. that the model and the view model were probably completely shareable code, and the view was sort of your yeah. platform-specific piece. Completely, that's yeah. totally the idea, and uh, and with a nice you know decoupling between those, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and then we moved on to um, to, to, to Xamarin, and uh, later Xamarin Forms came out, and they had their own type of engine just because they they didn't want to have dependency on anything. Sure, but the engine they had uh, a lot of the code actually comes from MVVM Lite, or at least is, is inspired from MVVM. MVVM Lite, so uh, basically you can just swap their component with MVVM Lite if you want, but they do have a data binding engine, so that work was done, so mm-hmm. that was good, etc., etc. And so basically you open the door to more platforms, and since now you have, um, you know, WebAssembly and platforms like Uno, for example, Uno yes. is very interesting for me because the uh, the developer is uh, is an MVP, so I know him. Uh, you know, we, we we talked, and so when I when he showed me Uno. Or when I saw Uno, rather, I reached out and I was like, hey, your thing is really cool. I like it. Uh, And Uno is basically running Windows XAML, UWP XAML as a UI. And they have data binding. And so I'm like, oh, what would it take to put MVVM Lite on that? And he said, well, let me see. And he came back, I think, two days later. And he told me, what's your best sample? And I'm like, okay. So I show him on, on GitHub the sample. And again, two, three days passed, and he came back and said, hey, look on this URL. And I had my sample running in the web, in wow. WebAssembly. And he had just to change a few things in Uno, basically, to uh, to change the ways that the binding was working on. I'm not sure exactly what he changed. And that was it, right? And so, again, right, the same idea saying, okay, now we have C-sharp code running on multiple platforms. So we have, uh, you know, Windows 10. We have uh, Windows proper with WPF. I mean, Windows right. desktop with WPF. We have, uh, well, you know, the, the new Silverlight, in quotes, WebAssembly or, Blazor, or whatever. Yeah. Bla- well, Blazor, uh, of course, is using HTML, so yeah. you, you couldn't work in the same manner. But I, I'm sure we can figure something out. Probably sure. it could be possible to have, the, at least I mean, have the, the view models The Uno models guys there. were literally taking the, pro, the, the stuff they developed to yep. do UWP-related work yeah. and, and pushed it into WebAssembly. Pushed it in WebAssembly. You also have a show about that, right? Yes, uh, I listened we did, to that, we did with, talk that. Yeah, with Jerome and, uh, and, and his boss. And uh, this is a very exciting time, basically. And, uh, you know, the cool thing is that the model applies to really everything. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we mentioned already Angular with this idea of decoupling and the binding system and all that. And that was really a good idea that took origin in 2005, 2006, or even before that when they started developing WPF. And it's nice to see that spread out to, to many technologies. I love that. Do you feel like they fragmented XAML, they made XAML harder than it needed to be? Because we talked about a lot of different flavors mm-hmm. and they weren't the same to each other. Yeah, I, I know you and I talked about that. And um, 
there, there is a little bit of that, but at the same time, for me, the view is a very thin layer, I would right. say. And so I'm, I'm not totally, to be honest, I, I'm not so interested. You know, before I joined Microsoft, and now I'm doing a lot more cloud stuff because, of course, I'm a cloud developer advocate. Sure. So, so I'm a little bit less active on the client. But before that, I was working for a, for a user experience agency, right? Sure. And our philosophy was to say, hey, whatever platform we go on, we want to be as native as possible for the view. Yes. Now we want to share code for the for the but I'm you know, willing the to model, view model to the view to the view. Right. And why did we want that? Is because we wanted to tell the designers you don't have to worry about the technology. You right. just do a an iOS design, an Android design, you know, a Windows design, and we'll worry about about adapting it and about being as pixel perfect as possible. So that was kind of what we are doing. Now with Xamarin Forms, of course, it's a different approach. Sure. The approach there is to say, hey, let's do a basic UI, like basic in the sense, uh, like a basis UI, mm -hmm. I would say. And now after that, it's going to be rendered, 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 and then you can polish it. So it's a different approach. But when you work with designers, they want pixel perfection. Yeah, and, every time. And that's when you need to know with uh, with native And when you're talking view. pixel perfection, you're talking looking properly like a native iOS app. Yeah. Or do you fall more on the Facebook it should be the same app across all of the platforms. So those are the two approaches. Sure. And um, I, I think the Facebook approach, Facebook can afford that, yeah. but others not can't necessarily. And there is a, an acceptance issue. So it, some it, of there's them... There's sort of this basic line that says, you're not Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I, mean, I mean, you will see some, some people uh, pay attention to these kind of details, even yeah. implicitly, even uh, without consciously knowing that, but they feel that, oh, it's not what I'm used to, right? Mm -hmm. And so for, uh, for some UI... And then after that, we go into even uh, more complex UX like HoloLens right. or VR, right? Or all these kind of things where suddenly even the gestures are different. And so there you need to be native. You can't be anything else because uh, the gestures are just not going to work otherwise. Yeah. It's a different so UI paradigm entirely. It is, it's, yeah. it's tough to think about it. It is, yeah. yeah. And so what, uh, what I like is having a view which is as native as possible and as thin as possible. That's mm -hmm. why I like the Xamarin Classic approach, I would say. But Xamarin Forms at the same time is also interesting and you know, it, it's all a matter, at this point, it's almost a philosophical question, I would say. So for me, the XAML fragmentation, I, it's kind of a pain because of, because you have to learn something new and sure. who likes that, right? Um, yeah, but at the same your time. Your sort of reflexes are wrong. You're yeah. going to a set of, of, uh, objects that aren't there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct. And, 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 you know, ways to architect your app and all mm -hmm. that. But really, the architecture is going to remain the same. What changes is details. And I think the details are, uh, I'm okay. We have now tools who help us, like designer tools right. and, and things like that. And also, I mean, we have to see that the changes make sense. I mean, they are not changes just for changes. When Microsoft made changes to the Windows 10, back then Windows 8, XAML, um, the, their idea is that, oh, we can reach a lot better performances by doing that. Sure. And, and so that made sense, right? Because yeah. WPF, okay, it's a, it's a super powerful platform, but it is heavy it's and so it was not optimized too at abstract. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Too complex. So, so I can understand that. I can live with that. I would yeah. say. Mm -hmm. 2014 build. Yeah. The .NET Foundation, and you were yeah. one of the founding members. Yeah, I was. Uh, I had the MVVM like logo. We talked about yeah. that on the big screen at Build, Did which you get was on really stage fun. Too? 
I didn't, uh, but they, they mentioned uh, the project and all that. And so I was cheering I, for you, man. Oh, yeah, it, it was, was exciting. Yeah, um, it, it was the, uh, the, the very first uh, non-Microsoft project into the foundation. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and I think it's, again, a little bit the same thing. They, they called me and they told me, hey, your thing is small enough that we are not really threatened by it. No. <laughs> I want to say that, but it was Martin Woodward at the time yes, who, um, was, leading the who was leading that. And yeah. he reached out and he said, hey, look, we, we love uh, MVVM Lite. It's one of the most downloaded projects. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, ever. You, have you left CodePlex at that point? You're no, no, I was still on CodePlex. Oh, wow. uh, my, well, mostly I had the reason for that is that I, I prefer Mercurial to Git. I'm right. one of those guys. You're one of those guys. Yeah, and, and CodePlex was supporting Mercurial and Git, and GitHub obviously was supporting only Git. And so right. I stayed on CodePlex until it died. I was uh, you, one of the last. You, I, I switched off the light when I left. You <laughs> were refreshing the page until it wouldn't refresh anymore. You're that Well, guy. they wrote to me at some point and they said, hey, we are closing down, man. Yeah. You need to do something. Need I'm to like, something. okay, yeah. so. Uh, right. So I spent a weekend porting everything. So now it's on GitHub, and I'm happy about the move. I mean, I'm sure. okay. But uh, yeah, I, I did like Mercurial. I think Git is just too complicated. And I, spent, I, I spent time in Mercurial. I spent time in Subversion. Oh, yeah. Now I've spent time in Git. Yeah. yeah, you know, back then I, I had Visual Source Safe, so I, I'm not complaining about Git. <laughs> <laughs> VSS, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, what does it mean to be in the foundation? Like, is it any more work for you? Or? No, not at all. In fact, uh, they are actually helping me. So, uh, you know, a few things they do is, uh, well, just in terms of promotion and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that, it's interesting to be there. But uh, mostly they would help if I decided to stop. I think that's really what was interesting for me. And the main reason why I said yes was that um, they will help me find a successor if I should decide to give it up, which, uh, you know, I'm I'm not that young anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, none of us are. <laughs> no. But, but how much work do you do on MVVM Lite? Uh, not as much as I used to, and especially since I moved to my new role where I'm, like, super excited about, uh, I'm even talking like Microsoft, you know, super excited. I hear that. Uh, I, I'm really excited about those, uh, you know, the, the new services we have and, and, and WebAssembly also and, and all the ASP.NET coursing, and I just spent uh, quite a lot of time taking my my personal website and putting it and my blog and putting it on, on Azure and so I, I have a little bit less time to do on MVVM Lite but also MVVM Lite is very stable I was just thinking days. is it it's not that you're not working on it it's that it's kind of done it, like it does its job kinda yeah, yeah. kinda I, I have a few ideas I have a few pull requests from time to time especially mm -hmm. since I moved to GitHub I have a bunch of it's funny because uh, one day I get uh, I mean one day pretty much every day I get an email and then it's like request why doesn't this work and my philosophy now is, okay, let's just wait two hours. And two hours later, I get to close. Oh, I found out how to do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, you know, or... You're I, watching I, the learning process in yeah, the form of issues. Yeah, or I was wrong, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then close. And so, okay, that's cool. Yeah. You know, checked, right? Next. I don't need to work. No, but seriously, I, I'd love to invest a little bit more work on it. And... Um, I do it by burst. So mm -hmm. basically, suddenly I have a burst of activity where I say, okay, now I'm going to port it. The last big burst was porting it to .NET Standard. Right. And um, and the port to .NET Standard was awesome. I, I learned so much about what .NET Standard is. Yeah, I got to think it makes you a better uh, uh, Azure advocate to yeah. have that stuff deeply in your mind. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And in fact, today we had a presentation where I showed ASP.NET Core, mm -hmm. and I, I used part of 
of what I learned, you know, porting MVVMI to do that because mm-hmm. it's the same type of thing. And and core and .NET standard is all about compatibility and cross-platform and all that. And so it just made sense to put MVVMI on .NET standard as well. I just find it fascinating that you've sort of been at the forefront with this project because mm-hmm. porting the PCLs was this was going to be our solution to portability. Yeah. And then it had that N over N minus one problem mm-hmm. as the number of platforms that proliferated and PCL yeah. became in unmanageable. Yeah. Standard is the workaround to that. Well, I mean, it's more than well, work around. It's, uh, it. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, in a sense, it's. A, I, I see that as a solution to that. I mean, sure. I, you know, kudos to uh, Emo and and all those guys on the team who who you know took a step back and said, hey, we maybe what we did back then was clever in 2011, but in yeah. 2017 it, it's not anymore, and mm-hmm. let's do something else. And basically, they rebooted the whole thing. So the whole cross-platform compatibility approach was rebooted, which is always uh, dangerous and courageous, sure. right? Uh, you know, Damien Edwards and, and all those people, and said, hey, let's do some, let's do a different approach. And I think the approach they took now, I like it a lot better. Mm-hmm. So I think having this uh, .NET standard as a, you know, the, the interface or the specification, whatever, and, and core being one implementation, Xamarin is also in there and Windows 10 and soon WPF and, and, Windows so what forms. level of standard do you target? Like what's the, what's the sensible one for a project? Like so, uh, so the, my rule of thumb and what I tell people is if you do a, an application, try to do as high as, as you go. So if you do a .NET Core application, try to go with 2.0 if you right. can, because then you can use every .NET standard class library there is out. Sure. Uh, you know, everyone is going to be compatible because .NET Core 2.0 is is compatible with 1.5, etc. So if you do an application, go as high as you can go. But if you do a class library, try to go as low as you can go. Because a class library which supports .NET Standard 1.0, you have less APIs at your disposal. So Mm -hmm. some things you can't do. But the advantage is that your class library is automatically going to be compatible with everything. Sure. Right? You're helping more people. You're exactly. And so MVVM Lite is actually compatible with uh, .NET Standard 1.0. Wow. And I managed to do that. I had to did give... You, yeah, I was just thinking, what did you have to give up? I had to give up uh, a component called the Common Service Locator, which was an external dependency. Mm-hmm. And Common Service Locator is used when you do IOC container, when you do uh, inversion of control container. And basically, it was kind of uh, a standard way of saying, hey, I support an interface. And like this, you can swap my IOC container with another one easily. Mm -hmm. And once I remember, I talked to uh, Damien Edwards about that. And he was like, yeah, but why would you? I mean, (laughs) you would would never swap anyway, right? (laughs) And I'm like, huh. Maybe he has a point, I've right? The feature people don't need. Yeah, maybe he has a point there, and uh, and it's true because uh, it was a great solution to a problem that nobody had. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well done. No wonder. <laughs> yeah. And as long as nobody tests it, it'll work excellent. Exactly. But back then there was a lot. I mean, you know, we are talking uh, 2010, 2011, right? Sure. I mean, back then a lot of people had uh, this idea of, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, let's collaborate together and switch things up. And, right. and, and everybody had their own IOC container anyway. Mm-hmm. And so there was really an explosion in terms of that. And, and I thought, yeah, that's a good idea actually. But uh, Common Service Locator brought a lot of problems to me. Like, uh, first of all, it's an external dependency. So I I was depending on somebody who who is not me, yep. <laughs> who I cannot really kick in, you know, yep. uh, in the whatever you kick them in and say, hey, work now because yeah. they are their own people, right? Sure. And uh, and the other thing is that uh, when they actually released Common Service Locator for .NET Standard, which was later than I did MVVM Lite, they released it for 2.0. Oh, wow. And I didn't want 2.0. I wanted 1.0. Right. So I was like, well, sorry, but no, I'm going to just get rid of that. And so I removed it, which means it's a breaking change for my user. Mm-hmm. 
which means that if you go from the the standard version, the portable cost library version, well, right. standard is a bad name, <laughs> yeah. from the uh, you know the default version, right, to the uh, .NET standard version, to the, the the new version, then you're going to have maybe a few breaking changes that you need to fix sure. because Common Service Locator is not here anymore. Although but you could, do that once, and then you're good to go. You could you'll get that other Common Service Locator. You're going to be dependent at standard level two. Yeah, so uh, the problem is that I cannot depend MVVM Lite on Common Service Locator if I want to stay, stay in .NET one. one zero. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I want to stay in one zero. And again, I want it's to only support necessary everybody. if you care about switching out contain, um, IOCs. Yeah, which you never do anyway. You're not going to so. do. So yeah, I decided to just uh, remove it, and the rest uh, just works, really. So, yeah. The the big work was done with, by Oren Novotny. I mean, you know Oren, right? Mm -hmm. he's, he's an awesome guy. And uh, when he did the work from um the you know from wpf and silverlight and windows phone and all those you know class library versions to pcl he had to do a lot of work and that was when i what i said right when microsoft reached out to me and said hey we want to do the work for you right um that was a lot of work but then porting that to.NET standard was super easy because sure. basically that it pretty much just works. He just did the hard yeah. he did already done the hard work. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I mean I, and I don't think about the project on the forefront. I mean, I've been to the website. It it looks very vintage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the <laughs> website, you know, I'm not a web guy, so uh, you know, at some point Sean Wildermus even reached out to me and said, "Oh my god, it's so ugly. I will redo it for you for yeah. free." And then I don't know that kind of I mean, it's my fault. I never got back to him because I was like, "Yeah, but why?" I mean, you know, yeah. it's uh, It's Fine. <laughs> well, what I want is really people, you know, website and documentation and all that. Yeah, it's important, definitely. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I prefer do documentation in form of samples if I can. And sure. I prefer, I mean, I'm going to switch uh, a lot of the doc to GitHub anyway, because since I'm on GitHub now, and now we do, you know, at Microsoft, we do all the documentation on GitHub. Yes. Uh, so docs.microsoft.com is marked down on yeah. GitHub, right? And uh, I've, I've sent corrections in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for your contribution. Do the best I can. <laughs> But uh, no, it is uh, really awesome, and uh, so I'm probably going to switch a lot of that to that. And so it doesn't make sense for me to invest a lot of time in the in the website because right. it's probably going to 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 move It'll to to anyway. GitHub proper. I appreciate yeah. that. Hmm. Well, it's great to hear the project going so you know yeah. just continuing to thrive. No, it's fun. Yeah, I have um, like three point something million download now, yeah. so it's uh, it's a lot. And uh, the curve, I I kind of check from time to time, like how, how is a download number doing? Because that's the only metric I have really is how sure. many people download it on NuGet or as a VS extension. And your run of issues as tech support. <laughs> Kinda. So I have to say the, uh, the move from CodePlex to GitHub was what really brought more issues like more, uh, not issues, but uh, it's a good thing. I mean, the sure. people just starting using it more and checking the code more just yeah. because GitHub is more collaborative more than social. CodePlex ever was. Um, so so I'm happy for that. But at the same time, uh, that was the main thing. In terms of number of actual issues, uh, no, I don't have many because, no. you know, it's it's pretty much, it's an old project. It's it does, established now. It does yeah. the thing it's supposed to do. Yeah. Well, Laurent, super fun to talk to you. Yeah, always. I Thank you. Appreciate uh, going through this bit of history and, and uh, continuing to be an important project. Mm -hmm. So where are folks going to see you next? So tomorrow I'm going with you to Munich, yes. right? So we'll have uh, another edition of the Modern Web Tour in Munich. After that, I'm flying to Seattle for a CDA Summit. So it's a, an internal event that we have. Right. But after that, I'll be, uh, this year, I'll be traveling quite a lot. I'll be in, uh, in Sydney for NDC. Me I'll too. be in uh, San Diego for VS Live. Mm. Um, in Orlando for VS Live as well, or it's called Live 360 in Orlando, but it's the same conference. And uh, I'll be in Belgium at some point at Dev Day. I'll be in Prague for Update Conference. Mm -hmm. 
I think we'll get at that one as well. Yeah, and I'll be in uh, Singapore for the uh, Global Xamarin Bootcamp, wow. which is uh, kind of modeled on the Global Azure Bootcamp, and we'll be doing a worldwide event. It's in uh, in November, Nove- November 10th, and that will be uh, quite exciting because we have something like 40 or 50 locations worldwide doing a global event. Cool. Yeah, organized by the community, and I'm just helping uh, by, you know, going to speak there. Singapore, huh? Well, you know, I kind of like Singapore. They have good food, and it's plus beautiful. I know uh, the organizer... Like the the guy who ha- who had the idea of doing the global Xamarin bootcamp is uh, Ben, who is you know located in in Singapore. And okay. so when we started talking, I said, well, you know, I, I'm in. When yeah. do I come? And he was like, well, okay. When do you have time? And so we set the date, and then we started doing making noise around it. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Laurent Mignon, big hand for Laurent. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll talk to you next time on Dotnet Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a